It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ninja Mutant Turtles and they all had like Kung Fu and fighting in it. And, you know, I, I think it's moved away a bit from that now because of the way society is. But it, it's always like had a passion for me. And it's not to go out and just, you know, fight, but, like, get into a martial art, get into a discipline, and, yeah, that, that's mm. one of the reasons I went into it. Like, obviously, you're a published, published poet, yeah. published author. What uh, was your... Did you have an interest in, like, writing and poetry and stuff then, or did that come a bit later? I've always been, like... I've always loved, like, like storytelling. Like, um, you know, I'm a bit of a bookworm, and I used to devour books when I was a kid. You know, I'd be reading um, whatever I can remember... I don't know, um, I can't remember the name of the author now, but it was a, it was about all these uh, mice and rats and they were all the different kingdoms and stuff. And I can remember reading all of them and I just loved it. And when we were, it was like eight or nine, we went on a, an overnight school field trip to a place on the Gawa. And one of the things in it was um, a poetry workshop. I remember writing this poem, um, given my teachers and they all said it was good and I think it ended end up getting published in the paper or something. And, yeah, that was that's the first memory I've got of like writing something. Someone saying it was good, and then yeah. it's just always sort of been a part of me. Probably longer than boxing. One of the other, one of the other things that uh, kind of like kills Britain a little bit is like in America, each state has got its own athletics commission. So they'll um, you'll have to have medicals of each state fighting it. So for example, in in Florida, um, you can have an MMA fight one week and fight pro boxing the other week and fight bare knuckle the week after. But because they're run by one athletics commission, if you get injured in one, they know about it. So yes. they suspend your license. You can't compete in any other sport until that suspension. In Britain, because you've got the British Boxing Board, it's governed by just them, and MMA isn't governed by anyone, although safe MMA is trying to do it, they don't speak to each other. So you could get knocked out, and this is why the British Boxing Board won't let you do anything other than boxing. So you could get knocked out in MMA, the week after you could have a pro boxing fight in the LC2 and they walked in and there was a poster on the wall and I'm on the poster and they're like uh, they're like uh, James Lilly you've been fighting pro MMA I said I have because I used to when years ago before you had like Sure Dog and Tapos you used to fight yeah. under a different name so okay. no one uh, what was your name uh, oh, something like Jamie Lilly something really close and when yeah. when I was trying to get on K-Droids then 
I had to email all these different places and say, oh look, this is me, can you put my record together? Because I'm still missing like two or three fights. Yeah. They were like, oh James, you've been fighting MMA. I said, I haven't. They said, you have. I said, no, I haven't. I said, they're like, we're looking at a fucking poster with your face on it. This was definitely you. <laughs> I was like, ah, so they called me in and I, I kind of lost my head a little bit with them then. <laughs>
it reignited my passion for mm. sort of combat sports. I think as a kid I was just doing kung fu because something to do with all my yeah the Power Rangers did it and yeah. Bruce Lee did it and the Turtles did it. So you know, was you big into Bruce Lee and um, when you were like little? Yeah, it's um. I remember watching some like I had like an old cousin and he had a box set. I remember watching a few of the films, um, <laughs> Big Boss and stuff like that. And Classics. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know. But when when we were younger, like you know, all the all the cartoons we watched, they were all like you know, uh, Ninja Mutant Turtles, and they all had like kung fu and fighting in it. And you know, I, I think it's moved away a bit from that now because of the way society is. But it, it's always like had a passion for me. And it's not to go out and just you know fight but like get into a martial art get into a discipline and yeah that, that's mm. one of the reasons i went into it was you um any good at like any other sports no i'm terrible at every other sport i love football i've tried playing but i'm rubbish um so i i managed a couple of football teams because i was <laughs> rubbish but yeah, yeah like that some of my friends who i played football with if you ask them about really football they'll get upset because that's how so bad it was <laughs> i was rubbish <laughs> so do you uh, so you, you like football? You just don't not very good at it. Yeah, I I'm really passionate about football. Like, you know, I I love football. I watch diehard Cardiff fan, obviously. No, <laughs> I'm not even a Swans <laughs> fan. I'm a Liverpool fan, but no, we, yeah, that's, I, that's that's marginally bad. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's uh, like you know, I I go down and watch the Swans, um, because that was like my local team, but it wasn't the team I supported. But yeah, you know, it's as a kid, the closest team. Like. Yeah, and I watch I watch any football game that's on TV. You know, I, I love like the World Cups, the Europeans. I watch pretty much every group game I can and got always got it on on my computer yeah, at work yeah. and you know I, yeah I love football um, but yeah and then sort of boxing took over so I kind of it, it was weird because when I got into boxing when I was like 12, 13 I kind of gave up following all of the sports like you know I was in this bubble and all that mattered to me was boxing I'd have like stacks and stacks of uh, boxing magazines um, I, I, my mother still got thousands of boxing books that she keeps telling me to go pick up which I keep saying keep them just in mm-hmm. case you know it just kind of took over my life and it was only until I got to about 17, 18 that I started liking football again not that I didn't like football it's just I just didn't yeah just in a bubble yeah so there, yeah, there was a, a long period where you know I wouldn't I wouldn't watch football I w- you know I wouldn't be interested I couldn't tell you who some players were in that yeah. period because I was so into boxing and then when I got to 16, 17 again <clears throat> I think it's like the social aspect as well you go to the like one of the pubs you meet and even though I wasn't much of a drinker because boxing but the football beyond like it sparked an interest again to me yeah it's like a social thing isn't it yeah exactly um, what was you like as like a teenager trouble good no I (laughs) that's a good question so I went to um, a school outside my area so it was more of um, I would say it's seen as like a posher school so I kind of went there so I was probably seen as a troublemaker in that school because I was this mouthy kid from, you know, the rough area. Yeah. But um, you know, I done well in school. You know, got you know, went on as far as my A levels before deciding uh, I didn't fancy university. Um, but yeah, no, I I'd say I got in trouble a couple of times in school, but I wasn't sort of constantly. Constantly, you know, I I wasn't one of them getting suspended every week, but. I think most of it was that um, I was uh, like just seen as this mouthy kid from Townhill. So, did you find it hard to settle in a school which was out of your area? So, would you go into a school 
like a different school that was to the people who lived like around yeah um and it was because of the because i went to a primary school outside my area um it was kind of a feeder school for this this the the, the high school mm. so yeah so all the people around my area um you know they went to one school and then the other high school and i went the other way and a few of my friends that you know was kind of around my area but yeah it was only until like i really got into boxing and then got into a bit older because the boxing gym again was literally at the end of my road that i started making friends with the people in my area as well so yeah. boxing's like helped me on that social side of things as well so although i had like friends in school i probably wouldn't see them as much outside school because they all were you know, a few miles away and none of us had cars, but yeah. it was only when I got a little bit older then, you know, you get different groups of mates then. So, like, obviously you're a published published poet, yeah. published author. What uh, was your, do you have an interest in, like, writing and poetry and stuff then? Or did that come a bit later? I've always been, like, I've always loved, like, like storytelling. Like, um, you know, I'm a bit of a bookworm and I used to devour books when I was a kid. You know, I'd be reading um, whatever I can remember, I don't know, um, I can't remember the name of the author now, but it was a, it was about all these uh, mice and rats and they were all in different kingdoms and stuff. And I can remember reading all of them and I just loved it. And when we were, I think it was like eight or nine, we went on a, an overnight school field trip to a place down the Gower. Mm. And one of the things in it was um, a poetry workshop. I can remember writing this poem, um, giving my teachers and they all said it was good. And I think it ended up getting published in the paper or something. and. Yeah, that was that's the first memory I've got of like writing something and someone saying it was good and then yeah. it's just always sort of been a part of me, probably longer than boxing. Yeah, so this thing, see, right, with kids today, like I got three teenage boys, the youngest is 13, the oldest is 17, right? And um, when they were younger, or the older one particularly, when he was younger, he used to love reading books and I, and I was the same. I used to just read so many books when I was like, a teenager because you didn't have internet then so i had like a tv in my room with four channels so when you were in at night and that and it was time to chill out and that reading books was what you did yeah, yeah. there was nothing else to really do whereas these days because they got phones and tablets and everything and it's the one thing which i get frustrated with is like none of my none of them really read a lot of books now as they even though they, you know the age they're at they could devour a load of them and i'm trying to get them to Kind of get back into it and stuff, but like the young, the younger one used to like he would, he even probably till the last year of primary school was like he would happily lay in his bed, and I we used to read like Goosebumps or something, and then um, like all the one of the interlinking series like so they all link up, but they're like separate stories, but like. There's bits within it, and then it like interlinks into one overarching story, basically to get you to buy like 15, 15 <laughs> yeah. books. <yeah. laughs> but like he, even at like year six or whatever, would happily sit there while I would read it to him, but he wouldn't sit and read it to himself to finish the series. If that ah, makes I've sense. I got you. Yeah. It's, it's mad, like, but yeah, I I was the same. I used to enjoy like reading books and that. Well, and um, so when you go into boxing and that, was it? Um, was there a particular boxer which you followed or particular boxers that you sort of was looking up to or was it more yeah, just a personal sort of hobby I was, thing? Yeah, it was, it was like a personal hobby, but like once I got, like I'm, I'm quite a passionate person. So when I'm involved in it, like I like to find out lots about the sport. 
Um, and when I started boxing, like the the main guy at the time was Lennox Lewis, and like everyone else in the gym around me, they they all like Mike Tyson, because mm. um, but when I got into boxing, like Lennox Lewis was at the top of his game, so I followed his career from sort of like two thousand on, um, and he was my favorite boxer at the time because. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, he, he was the main guy. And I remember, I think it was, I think he signed this massive fight deal. I think it was with BBC. And his first fight was against um, Hassin Rackman in South Africa when he got knocked out. Right, yeah. I remember staying up in my uncle's house with my cousin, who was boxing at the time as well, and my father and my brother, and just watching, like, Lennox Lewis get knocked out. And I was like, what's going on here? Because... I hadn't realised, you know, you know, he was my hero. He was like, yeah. he was indestructible, and I hadn't. I know he'd lost earlier in his career, but I had never had it where I followed someone, and it's probably because, uh, you know, I wasn't into football at the time. Where you see your, you know, like um, you see your team it's get beaten by, yeah. yeah. So, and I remember it was like a weird feeling because I was just like, well, this must just happen, and then yeah. it, it, and that's. And that taught me a lot about boxing, you know, is to like expect the unexpected, really. Mm. It's um, yeah, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because like, as a kid, your heroes, you almost, particularly in boxing and fighting, if they're like unbeaten for years and years and years, you kind of don't even expect them to lose. You just always expect them to keep going and going, and then when it doesn't happen, it's a bit of a yeah, jolt to the system, isn't it? Yeah, it was just like it was totally unexpected, and and then you know um, from there, then it just grew up. And Lennox Lewis was the main one. As I got a little bit older, then you know I, I like Mayweather, um, a fighter he beat uh, Corrales, and uh, you know I, I wouldn't say I got any favourite boxers now at the time. You know I just I just love boxing, and it, it, same as MMA, Ben at all. Yeah, it's just I you know I followed quite a lot then. As you yeah. said, I started devouring. Obviously, Joe Calzaghi, you know, yeah. started devouring like magazines and books and found out as much as I could. So, did you, you had like a stint in, in MMA, didn't you, to a certain degree? Like, when did you kind of make that decision to give that a go and, and, and also then make the decision to switch back as well? I turned pro um, quite early with a boxing. I turned pro when I was like 19. Um, yeah. And I think a couple of years later, um, pro boxing has changed a lot within the last, you know, 15, 16 years from the way it was then to the way it is now, especially in Wales. Wales has got more, um, better promoters now, better run shows, 100%. and, and uh, they've got more of a, a better infrastructure for boxing. You know, I think it's because you've got people like, you know, Lee Selby, like Liam Williams and others Joe Codina and because of them it's helped pull boxing from where it was and uh, but I, I you know I was waiting on for fights for ages because I didn't have a big manager and you know I wasn't like any sort of superstar I, I always remember I was just waiting on for fights for ages and ages and this guy I grew up with uh, John Phillips he was um, he was he had his first cage fight so I started training with him so we were doing like MMA cell training mm. and 
I could feel like a, a difference in my fitness already because you know boxing is usually boxing or circus, but with MMA, it's kind of like body weight, and I was doing all Using these different uh, muscles. Yeah, exactly, and I was doing all these different ex um, this training with him, and I can remember him saying to me, he was like, "Oh, why didn't you have a cage fight then?" And I was like, "Joel, I'm not having a cage fight because the only thing I'd ever seen of cage fighting." Like at the top level was a show on Bravo called like America's Toughest Men, yeah. And there was like these hillbillies fighting in this old style cage, yeah. just like a battered yeah. cage. Yeah, and, and they were. It was like UFC one where they were just going in, and I was like, I'm not doing that. You crazy? But mm-hmm. um, as time wore on, then I was doing more and more training with him. I thought, why not? So I went grappling a couple of times, and then um, he started running his own shows. And I said I was in a bit of a lull of boxing and. With me, I like to be active. I like to fight. You know, a fight's a fight for me. It doesn't matter if it's boxing or MMA. So I just said, yeah, I'll um, I'll have a go. And then I had a lot of MMA fights. Went back to boxing, had a lot of MMA fights. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Was it frustrating with the boxing then? Because you like, seems like that was what you wanted to do. But you just couldn't quite get a break or the, the chances that you wanted. Yeah, I find, so like boxing... You know, yeah, I know it's a different game now, boxing, isn't it? Yeah, especially ex- in Wales. Exactly. I think you've got more support with the different managers and promoters, um, and I just, you know, I just kind of lost a passion for it. Really, you know, um, I just felt I was waiting wrong for fights. Then I would take fights on the road, um, and if it was a close fight, it would still go home. Yeah. So I kind of lost like a love for it. No, I, I still, you know, I'm just happy to be a fan now. But, Do you know, I wonder about that all the time. Like, we speak about it on the fight show all the time with Ben and with um, with Danny, like, about boxing, because there is this thing of, um, particularly on the, like, not the biggest shows, yeah. but, like, the sort of decent shows, but not the top, top shows, where the away fighter has to do so much to win a fight on points. Like, you look at the Canelo fight the other day um, against uh, Bywell. Yeah. Like, Bywell literally had to beat him so convincingly that if the judges had given it to Canelo they would have been like a riot yeah because yeah. it like and then Ben always says there's a there's like a thing within boxing circles which says you 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 start four rounds down against Canelo anyway and then you've got it's up to you to kind of either finish the fight or or get those four back which is it shouldn't be like that but I my question was going to be if you're a a young pro Who's going and he just wants to fight? So you'll try if you want to, you know, if you get a call and say you or you fight in Liverpool or you fight in Manchester or you know wherever, and then you go and you have a good good old battle, and you think you've won, or even a good performance, but it's gone to the card, and they always give it to the home fighter. It's gotta be demoralising. It's gotta be like, what's the point? Like I'm I'm losing money to come up here because you don't pay me enough, and it's like. Yeah, I think the the way boxing is structured, I, I think it needs an overhaul. It, it is getting better because of the, I think because of the the looming, um, you know, you got MMA which is like hot on its heels. So, I I think uh, it, it's getting better. But you can go to some local shows and you'll have seven hometown fighters fighting seven journeymen. Yeah. It's costing you fifty quid a ticket. And you could predict every single one of those matches of what the the results gonna be because it's, it's for some reason in boxing they seem to have to want to build the record early. Yeah, they you pad know, the records out a bit. They, they do. They do with people who've been in the Olympics as well. You know, they 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 throw them in against these dreamers when they don't need to. You know, the guys who fought in the Olympics, 
They have fought technically good fighters. Yeah, they? the best They've fighters. They've already fought yeah. good fighters. Um, and I, I don't know what it is about boxing. They seem to have this <clears throat> massive thing about preserving that all. Like, you look your name at me. Some of the top guys have got, like, you know, 10, 15 losses. And no one cares mm-hmm. about those losses because of their wins. Yeah. Like, um, Jorge Masvidal, he's one of the biggest names in MMA. He's, like, one of the money man. He's got 15 losses on his record. Yeah. Nick Diaz, 11 losses on his record. No one cares about that. They care about the win and you just keep going. So I, I, I'd I like to say that there's going to be a switch, but because there's so much money in boxing and the way it's structured, you know, it, it's, it's hard to break out of that. And it works for boxing, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, I think... <coughs> excuse me, sorry. I think there's a, a slight... There's been a slight change, I reckon, in the last maybe five, ten years, only because... And I would say, particularly in Wales, I think Wales is almost leading the way a little bit in the UK in terms of boxing has had to adapt in Wales because they were losing kids to to MMA. Because yeah. like we had, I had Gary Lockett in here uh, a few weeks back, and he was like, he couldn't believe that when they did that when Richard Shaw done the Cage Warriors Academy shows, which is not even you know the biggest names really, it's the up and coming names, they were sold out like you know yeah. like. Eight, nine, ten thousand people. Whereas boxers have got a. You see them on Facebook. Some of the biggest young boxers in Wales, like they've really got to push their tickets out, because the way that they're gonna get pushed to the next level, for their next fight, is by the amount of tickets they sell. Not necessarily. It is partly by their performance, but it's also if they can sell tickets. And it, to me, that's frustrating. But I do think Wales has got better with the boxing. Um, like that Sangagar events. Has been do, doing some really good shows in Cardiff and Swansea. There's one in Swansea on Saturday. That's um, right, yeah. Lloyd Germain's fighting, who I had in last, well, the week before last. He's fighting for a Welsh title, is Yeah, yeah. Who's he fighting? Can you remember? Um, Tinkler. That's a Jake Tinkler, that's it, yeah. They've, uh, I think they've fought before, I think, in I think they fought in the amateurs, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I looked at, I'm sure there's another couple of fights on. Um, I think there's another Welsh title fight, and there's a Celtic title between yeah, Scottish guy Morgan Jones and oh, I can't remember his name I think he's defending his middleweight title or super middleweight title I can't remember which one mm. yeah it's, it's a decent card but said that like I don't want to like slag boxing off too much but the British boxing board are a big problem because they're kind of they're set in their ways like for example um, in Wales um, sorry in my gym in the warehouse in Swansea they do white collar boxing, okay? So they do mm-hmm. like guys who never fought, put them for a 12 week training camp. And I've only, and I've had a table at every one of those shows because it's such a good night. You've got people yeah. swinging, Sweet Carolina. You know, we Sound don't even know. I, bo- I booked a table for the August show. I don't know anyone fighting mm-hmm. since then. A couple of my mates have signed up, but it was such a good night. And Chris Ware, who runs the gym, me and him spoke about it, but when we were pros, if you'd had a pro show like that, where people are just coming, for the event, and then this, the, and then the, the fighters can sell tickets after. You know, people are going there just to have a good time. And if you had that in pro boxing, you'd have sold out shows every week. Yeah, because it's yeah, it's just just the atmosphere. Sorry, mate. I don't know if it's my missus keeps ringing me. Oh, sorry. It's okay. um, yeah, it's one of them things, isn't it? Whereby you're trying to, um, like, the fighters are trying to sell the tickets because they know if the promoters. Like, so if you've got a fighter A, I don't want to name anyone particularly because it's not fair on that. No, no, of course, like, yeah. There's, there's certain fighters who sell a lot of tickets. There's, there's other fighters who 
maybe don't struggle they struggle to sell as many tickets not because they're worse fighters or they've got less fans it's just their fans might be less able to get to wherever or whatever you know it could be anything kind of someone could have a bigger family yeah whatever it may be but like i think what welsh boxing has done well is adjusted to the fact that welsh mma like there's a like there's a list of guys in welsh mma at the moment who are like you know if they carry on with the trajectory that they've got could end up being big things and like if you speak when you speak to like richard shaw and people like that like he's 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 more excited or as excited about the the next batch of kids who are coming through who are only like 16 17 now and it's like boxing can't sleep on that no exactly and if you take it out to the uk as a whole you've got paddy the baddy and um molly mccann now who all right I don't think Molly McCann's the greatest fighter, but what she's got is she's got guts. She likes to have entertain. She has entertaining fights. She's got a personality which people seem to enjoy, and she trains with Paddy. They both out in America now with with Dana White, and it's like if they keep winning or keep even if they lose, if they keep having entertaining fights, and their personalities go the way they are. They're just going to get bigger. So you're going to have like people i know people say and i don't want to like exaggerate i really like paddy he's sound so he's such a sound guy i've interviewed him a couple of times and he's he's really sound like he's not like what you expect him to be from his interviews like he's not as uh like i don't know obnoxious i suppose is the right <laughs> word he's like he's a really cool dude like and um but if he keeps getting bigger and keeps winning and gets titles in the ufc and stuff that's another big name. Then you've got like Jack Shaw's undefeated. You've got Jordan Vucinic in Cage Warriors, who looks he'll probably be in UF the next yeah, UFC London, I think. Yeah. Because he's he's just so good. And then, you know, there's there's another few names, by the way, all around the country. And it's like if they all go to the UFC or Bellator and they all become champions, even Brett now, I think if Brett wins that fight in Ireland um in a few weeks. I think there's a good chance he'll be in the mix for oh, the next like tight bantamweight title fight, and like if all those names in MMA keep growing, and boxing stays stagnant, you lose another generation of kids to MMA. Yeah, because when they got the choice of oh should I go to boxing club or should I go to MMA? Well, I want to be like Jack Shaw. I want to be like Jordan Vucinic or Paddy the Baddy or whoever. And I think you can't sleep on that because. MMA is getting bigger and bigger. It's so accessible now to watch. Even if you haven't got BT Sport, if your family, if you're a kid and you haven't, and you haven't got BT Sport, if you you know Paddy the Baddy is from TikTok, and then you can watch clips on TikTok and YouTube and that. So like kids know who he is. So as those kids become 16, 17, 18, if they don't train themselves, they'll watch it and they become fans. And then I just think, I do think boxing generally is like it's almost arrogant to it and it just thinks oh yeah we'll be around forever we are you know we don't need to change anything we've been doing this for years and years we don't need to change anything but it's like well you do need to change stuff because you've got fighters like yourself i know it was a while ago now who were turned pro but either couldn't get fights or when they did get fights and if the fight's close you didn't really feel like it's fair that's a problem within the sport but that goes all the way from you know a 19 year old pro to a Canelo fight 
one of the biggest fighters fights in the world. What, one of the other ago. one of the other things that uh, kind of like kills Britain a little bit is like in America, each state has got its own athletics commission. So course, yeah. they'll um, you'll have to have medicals of each state fighting it. So for example, in in Florida, um, you can have an MMA fight one week and fight pro boxing the other week and fight bare knuckle the week after. But because they're run by one athletics commission, if you get injured in one, they know about it. So yes. they suspend your license. You can't compete in any other sport until that suspension. In Britain, because you've got the British Boxing Board, is governed by just them, and MMA isn't governed by anyone, although safe MMA is trying to do it, they don't speak to each other. So you could get knocked out, and this is why the British Boxing Board won't let you do anything other than boxing. So you could get knocked out in MMA, the week after, you could have a pro boxing fight, and the British boxing board, because they've got no communication with MMA, yeah, they won't know you get suspended, and that's why people then are having to make a choice between the sports. Whereas in America, I know a guy, I was speaking to him in the change room, and he just had a better fight, and he said, I'm gonna fight pro boxing next month. And I was like, you know, he wasn't injured or anything, so they, he was gonna get cleared, and that's what you can do in America. And I think that's the only thing the British boxing board needs kind of take on board is to think, right. These guys want to do both sports. Let's let them do it rather than making things. And they could have do it safely. Isn't yeah, it? they could. You know, there's no reason why the British Boxing Board of Control doesn't just have like someone from Safe MMA sitting on the board saying, "Listen, these guys got knocked out last week. Don't let them fight for 28 days." Yeah. And then that's what they tell them. But it's hundred percent. There's a guy um, we had on the <coughs> um, fight show. Uh, his name's Josh. Uh, I forget his surname. Um, Reichardt. And uh, he's an amateur fighter in America. Um, and we had him on the time we had... Uh... Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Graham Boylan on. So he, we had Josh on because Graham couldn't come on till a bit later. Um, and Josh fights kickboxing, uh, MMA, and something else. I can't remember what it was. But it's just, I think it might be boxing. It might be, or it might be bare knuckle, I don't know. But he does three... And he literally, I see his Facebook, he'll be like, oh, i got a kickboxing fight this week. He does it. And then two weeks later, he's like, I'm doing MMA. And it's like, yeah, it's amazing for him because he's able to hone his skills. Yeah. For I think ultimately he wants to do MMA. But like his skills have been proven all around because he's fighting kickboxing, he's doing grappling, he's doing wrestling. And he's doing it all at a very, very high level in his state. But if he gets knocked out in kickboxing, he ain't doing the MMA fight. Yeah, weeks later or exactly. Whatever. And it, it's not complicated to do. No. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, when we had Graham Boylan on, actually, on that subject, he was uh, he went on a little bit of a rant he did. Um, and look, we, I was very, so, um, so happy to have him on because he didn't do much press. Certainly doesn't do much press with a channel my size. No. And um, he gave us his time, and he and he had, but he had a little rant about safe MMA because he said we're the only company in Europe, MMA company, who uses it. And it's like, that's not right, is it? Yeah. That because he like, so for people who don't know, safe MMA is basically you have to have like a full like brain scans and all that sort of thing, isn't it? So like, 
Yeah, it's, it's the same as heart scans, things where. Yeah, it's the same as uh, going through your box of medical. So it's like brain scan, eye test, blood test, you know, and it's the same. But I think with the problem with like MMA is again because they're not um, run by like a boxing board. There's no one to say, but you can't put the show on, and the smaller shows then can afford. Yeah. And then say for example, me and you both had our medicals done. You get injured, and I've sold you know, twenty tables. Then they're gonna have to replace you with someone. But if there's no one available who's got safe MMA, then they're gonna have to bring someone else who might not be as high caliber. But this fighter sold half your show, so yeah. if he doesn't fight, you're losing. So I can understand. Um, I can understand Graham's frustration, but at the minute, I don't think MMA has switched over enough. It's not big enough for the smaller shows yet. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get. I get that fully. And I think, I think his thing is like fighter safety in it, and I get. Yeah, that. yeah. But you're right. Like if you're putting on a smaller show, it's not as easy as just saying, "Right, well, you know, you've all got to get it." But like, so in cage warriors, you have to get it to be allowed to fight. But then cage warriors is on UFC fight pass and. It's, 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 like you said about losses, mate. Um, like something the MMA like fighters have got losses. You look at cage, the Cage Warriors card this weekend. It's literally like the best versus the best all the time. Like, yeah. like uh, Jordan fought Paul Hughes the other month or the like last year or whatever. Like, there's no padding your record out. It's literally the best outside of the UFC fighting each other. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's boxing. I think needs to adapt a little bit, but I would like to see MMA and boxing in the UK come together a little bit. Even if they just create some sort of yeah, boards you, between them and kickboxing and just something which can generally oversee fighter licenses. You just say, right, if you want to fight in boxing, MMA, kickboxing, whatever, you've got to have a license and you've got to be okay for a fight. And then I think, I think the sad thing is the same regards. It's only going to happen if someone gets seriously injured in MMA and then they're like, Right, okay, did he have his medicals? And like, no. Yeah. Well, why didn't he have this? Well, we don't require it. It's only going to happen. And then that's going to be like, you shouldn't be doing that. You should, That's putting out a fire. You should be stopping the fire starting, you know what of I mean? Of course, yeah. yeah. Get it done before someone gets hurt. Yeah. So do you know with like when you, so say, you know when you first turned pro boxing and you were struggling to get a fight, could you at that point go and do an MMA fight and then go back to boxing? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I... I got suspended by the British Boxing Board because they found out I was fighting MMA. Right, okay. So <laughs> I fought in the... That must have been an interesting conversation. It was a very interesting conversation. The, the, I fought, in, funny enough, I was in the LC2. So, and I fought MMA in the LC2 and I used the money from the... Uh, oh, I'm ringing something in my pocket. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. Okay, yeah, so <laughs> take two. <laughs> so, um... I fought MMA in the LC2 because uh, I was between jobs. I wasn't between jobs, actually. I was in a shitty job and I couldn't afford to pay for my box medicals because people thought it was in So I fought MMA on my friend's show, Budo. And then I went in and got my boxing license. Out of that money, I fought boxing in the Brownman Hall. So then the week after, or a month later, they put on a boxing show in, <laughs> in the LC2 and they walked in and there was a poster on the wall and I'm on the poster. And they're yeah. like, they're like, uh, James Lilly, you've been fighting pro MMA so like because I used to, when years ago before you had like Sure Dog and Tapwall, you used to fight yeah. under a different name. So oh, okay. no, no. And, uh, what was your name? Uh, uh, something like Jamie Lilly, something really close. And when yeah. when I was trying to get on Cage Royce then, 
I had to email all these different places and say, oh, look, this is me. Can you put my record together? Because I'm still missing like two or three fights. Yeah. They're like, oh, James, you've been fighting MMA. I said, I haven't. They said, you have. I said, no, I haven't. I said, they're like, we're looking at a fucking poster with your face on it. This was definitely you. <laughs> I was like, ah, so they called me in. And I, I kind of lost my head a little bit with them then. I was like, I was like, oh, no. Um, I was like, oh, I'm not bothering going in. I said, I don't get paid enough in boxing. I'm not a superstar. I just enjoy fighting. So I stayed in MMA. Um, and then I got into bare knuckle. And then a couple of years later, I kind of got, I was still sparring boxing guys. And I kind of got an inkling to go back to boxing. So I thought, right, I'm going to put, my, put myself back in for my license. We'll see what they say. So I went up in front of the boxing board and they're like, if you ever fight bare knuckle or MMA again, you'll be banned for life from the sport of boxing in the UK. I was like, right, okay, sir, I'm sorry. And then I got offered a fight in the Vale Arena, but I had to sell X amount of tickets. It was going to be against um, like a journeyman, just to get my win back in. And they was offered a Welsh title fight. And then John Wayne Hibbert signed for BKB. And I knew John Wayne Hibbert from watching him uh, you know, on TV, you know, he mm. fought, he had the WBC international belt, and BKB phoned me up and they said, "Do you want to fight John Wayne Hibbert?" So I was like, "Yeah." Rather than boxing board, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have to withdraw my application for my license." I said, "I'm gonna stick the bare knuckle," and that was it then. So yeah, so that was me done with boxing, and I think I kind of made the right choice because bare knuckle is a growing sport at the moment. It's not as big as MMA or boxing, but I'm in the ground floor, so you know. I'm, you know, in ten years' time, if the sport does grow, people look back and they'll be like, "Oh, this is, you know, James Liddy. He was one of the, mm -hmm. the the first pioneers, you know." So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and seems to be pretty good at it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's um, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I think when it kind of a few years ago, when you first heard like bare knuckle boxing, everyone was a bit like, "Oh, don't know about that." But like when you actually watched it then and what it was, it wasn't quite as. It's not what it's the same as when people say cage fighters, isn't it? Uh, certainly, yeah. 10, 15 years ago, when you heard cage fighter, you assumed uh, like the hillbillies fighting in there, like exactly, the broken yeah. cages and that, and you assume it's like bare knuckle boxing and like a what's called like a slaughterhouse or something like you see on a film or in, yeah, it's um, what's called snatch, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's, it's it's like you said, like they use the word cage fighter years ago just to get people interested in like oh cage fighter must be like gladiators and stuff yeah. but now you speak to like the MMA guys who were around like you say cage fighter and you can see them sort of winching because they don't like that word because that was a word they used because they had to get off the ground floor and now it's mixed martial arts yeah. and although you can't really rebrand bent or boxing or bent or fighting I still kind of wince when like if I'm in work and someone's like oh this is James he's a professional fighter oh what sport did you and I'm like oh boxing oh for who bare knuckle boxing mm. and they look at me and I'm like listen it's not what you think it is like because yeah you feel like you got to explain all the time I, I told one of the guys who I knew in my MMA gym I was down on a show in Tenby he's like he's doing bare knuckle boxing because oh, they called me up to the cage to say about my fight I was like yeah he's like oh where is it then do they like text you a secret location and you go to a mm -hmm. car park I was like no it's in the O2 <laughs> he's like oh right it's on TV he's yeah. like it's on TV I said there's like and that's what people I think, you know, people have got the grips of cage fighting now, under cage fighting, I've done it now, with mm -hmm. MMA, and I think they'll end up getting the grips with... I think it's slowly happening with the bare knuckle, though. Yeah. So I think people are more and more on board, and I think it's helped, the, like, some big names have signed and done fights, like Brad, Brad Pickett did a fight, didn't he? And, yeah. And also you've got, like, uh, Paige Van Zandt, and 
one of the other women done. Um, I don't know. One of the other UFC women did one. Oh, Rachel Ostrovich, is it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's a few like big UFC names who've floated over because they've finished their UFC career contracts or they've been released or whatever. And it's like, do I go to Bellator? Or do I, and it's obviously the BK, uh, FC or obviously, obviously offer them more money or better fights or whatever. And Yeah, they, they, it's, it's growing. You know, it's really exciting to be a part of. Um, I'm happy I've signed now because I think in six months time it's going to be hard to get into BKFC because um, they're blown up bigger and mm. well the I remember I watched the show I can't remember it might have even been the one that Brad Pickett was on and I watched it for him I think it was him I watched it for a particular fighter and overall I thought the show it was, this was probably three years ago and I think Overall, the show was all right. I watched it for the fighter I was looking for. It was good. But then when I watched the one that you was on a few weeks back, the difference in everything in that two, three years is yeah. massive. Right down to the quality of the fights, the 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 fitness of the fighters, the condition of the fighters, the, the presentation of it as well, like the commentary and the quality of the camera work. Everything has gone up massively. Well, and you always know if a company's growing, like, because the quality gets better. Because as they're growing, they're expanding, they're adapting. What was your experience like? Because you obviously went out to America for your last fight. What was that like? It was amazing. I like. No, I Did can't. you know for a while that you were going out to America for your next fight? Well, I, I'd spoken to BKFC um, a few years ago when. They were not as big then. I, I know I, I was interested in going out. I always like, I would never say it was a goal of mine to go fight in America, but all fighters I grew up watching were all fighting in America. Yeah. So if it got offered to me, and now BKB out in America doing the collab shows with BYB. So, um, but I didn't know that was happening at the time, and I got offered a contract with BKFC. So I left BKB, went to BKFC, and I was waiting around for ages because we just come out of um, COVID. There was still like loads of restrictions in place. You couldn't fly. You'd have to go isolate for two weeks in a country outside of Britain. And I just thought, right, you know what? There's so much hassle. Oh, I, it was a pain. And I was just like, I was like, I've signed for this company now. I'm, uh, I'm, it's not going to happen. And that's why I booked to fight the MMA show when I spoke to you guys last yeah. time. And uh, <laughs> I was sitting in Peterborough <laughs> in the restaurant with the guy where we had a pint in my hand. And my phone went and said, James, you've got a fight off on. I was like, all oh, right, we've heard this before. Within an hour, I had a fight contract through, put on a sweatsuit, because I always carry a training kit with me, and I was running through Peterborough at six o'clock in the morning then uh, to get the weight off and stuff. So, yeah, and then they said, oh, it's going to be in um, Fort Lauderdale, just outside uh, Miami. Um, and, I, you know, I was like, until I got on the plane, I was still like, oh, this is never going to happen. Yeah. You know? And you kind of don't think of the situation when you're in training camps. Like, everyone's like, oh, you know, the fight's eight weeks away, it's not a long time. But because you've got, like, you train six days a week, so what's, uh, you know, twice a day, whatever that is, times eight. It's a eight. lot of sessions. It's it? a lot of sessions. So I'm never thinking about the fight. I'm never thinking about my opponent. All I'm thinking about is, i got to get up at half past four in the morning tomorrow to train mm -hmm. at five. i got to go back to the gym after work. And that's all I'm thinking about. And then you, you work to your rest day, and you're like, ah. Oh, and you just think about your rest day. And then maybe on your rest day, you start thinking about all the stuff you've got to do. But like until we got to the airport, 
I didn't really, I was like, shit, we're going to America. And I hadn't flown for three years because of COVID. I'd had mm. like two car days cancelled. Now I can't, I haven't been on a long old flight for sort of 10, 12 years. So it was just a whole surreal experience. And I think. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.